0: You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. It is Thursday. And you know what that means? That means our expert series. We are speaking with Jonathan Twamley. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. Well, this is going to be a fun episode. This is number three for us, and this is what is going on in multifamily. So what would you
1: find? Yeah, so we're starting to get some data about what happens with multifamily when uh, additional cares act money runs out and, you know, what we saw. So just kind of reminding people of the history of this, I mean, we're now, you know, month eight of coronavirus and, uh, it's, it's, it's all a big blur and, you know, it's, it's hard to remember sort of where we were when we started, but when we started, uh, the first reaction of the multifamily industry was, oh my goodness, people are out of work. They're not going to have money to pay rent we're going to hoard cash and uh, and just go and hunker down and go into defensive mode. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And all the syndicators I, I know stopped paying distributions yep. because they wanted to make sure that they had cash, uh, you know, to pay debt service and, and uh, you know, have a small problem rather than a big problem.
0: Yep.
1: Now what happened was since Congress passed the cares act and they passed all this additional uh, unemployment relief, um, the renters, were able to pay rent, and rent collections stayed strong, th- really throughout. And everybody was surprised but relieved. And uh, what happened was, uh, collections continued to be to be good, and syndicators started paying distributions again. and uh, And after a while, I think uh, people started to really believe that multifamily is kind of impervious to any problems with the economy. Uh, And that, you know, the, that old talk about it being recession proof um, was, was true. Mm -hmm. Now I always felt like, Hey, but we just don't, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop here because this money is going to run out and what happens when it does. Now, one good thing was that a lot of people got so much money from the government in unemployment, that they were able to save money, and they did, and and, and they did the economically rational thing, which was that they knew that they, that this was going to end, so they banked the money. They just didn't go and spend it, and mm-hmm. they prioritized rents. So, what happened was even after the CARES Act extra money ran out, they continued to pay their rent for a couple of months. Now, however, what we're starting to see is that the savings are running out, and it's starting to affect. Rents and starting to affect occupancies. Now it's Mm -hmm. still, it's not dire by any stretch, right? We're still, things are holding up pretty well, but the cracks are starting to be shown. And where the cracks are appearing first is uh, in the class A space. And that's a combination of a couple things. That's not so much a combination, that's not so much a factor of people not getting unemployment money because your class A renters are your most affluent people within the renter class. They have resources to fall back on. And they also didn't really lose their jobs. However, what's happening amongst those people is that they're looking at uh, you know, density and saying, we want less of it. They're looking at low interest rates and saying, we really like that. We want to go buy a house. Now's the time. We've been sitting on the fence. We're also talking about uh, the long-awaited Transition of the millennial generation to home ownership, which actually started in 2016 and has just been, uh, you know, steadily climbing since then. But now, gotten a real, you know, kick in the pants or you know, real push from behind because of the combination of coronavirus and low interest rates. So that is really accelerating. So your Class A properties plus, and then the, the other factor on top of that is massive deliveries of new Class A product in all of your major markets, right? Mm -hmm. So those two things happening at once. The industry has already delivered 400,000 units this year. Oh, wow. Most of them are in certain sort of like basically 12 top markets. Right. Um, And you've got places that have been multifamily darlings like Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin are running into a big problem with oversupply uh, of class A. So that is that is one thing that's happening at, at, on the class a level uh now lots of people look at that and say well class b and class c are, are insulated from this uh not true right mm-hmm. so because what happens is and it's starting to happen and there's an article in globe street that came out just uh, just the other day uh called a closer look at Multifamilies widening cracks this came out on the third so it's a, it's a week ago okay um what this article is talking about is analyzing data from Fannie Mae that uh, what's good, what, what is starting to happen and is going to happen more is as you know, class A is ratcheting up their concessions, right? Yes. They're trying to stay full by offering people primarily free rent, right? And even with the free rent being offered, they're having to start to make rent cuts now, which is really the thing that owners hate to do. They would rather tack on another month of free rent, you know, one month, then two months, then three months, because they know that burns off and then they're going to keep their rents high. They really don't want to cut rents because then it's very hard to raise them again. Uh, But that's starting to happen because occupancy is starting to crumble a bit and they're having to ramp up these concessions and starting to do rent cuts. When the class A does that, then it just starts to trickle down because now you've got suddenly... Your class B renters looking around and going, gosh, you know, for just a couple bucks more, I can now get the newest, shiniest, best mm-hmm. new apartment in the marketplace with all the bells and whistles. And it's not going to cost me that much more than class B. So what happens? Class B has to start engaging in this race to the bottom of mm-hmm. concessions, too. And it'll eventually get down to class. And then it'll happen with class C. Class C has another headwind, which is that disproportionately the people who have been hardest hit mm-hmm. by this recession and every recession, it's not just the COVID shutdowns, this happens every time, the Class C renter, right? People making below $75,000 a year are the people who have been hardest hit mm-hmm. by this recession. And with the money running out, and those people are the ones who have the, the least money saved up to, you know, they banked some of these uh, additional benefits, but that's gone now. Um, It's, it's starting to show. And so you've got rent declines starting to happen. And in fact, a a different Globe Street, Globe Street article from the sixth called just the headline will tell you what the point is multifamily rents declined at record pace in the third quarter. Mm. Right. So, and that's all kind of at the end of the third quarter. Right. So, uh, Vacancy rates are now back. They've been historically low for a long time. They're now back at over 5% across the country, which is really kind of like the standard, sort of where they that's the long-term trend. That's what you underwrite to is 5% vacancy. That's what all the books say. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of historically, you know, everything is kind of key to that 5% vacancy mark, right? That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when you're operating a property when you get, if you're at 95%, that's when you start raising rents, right? Cause you know that that last 5% is really frictional, right? It's people, mo- the yeah. normal move oh, in, yeah. move out, yep. right? But when you're at 95%, you know, if you get up, the rule of thumb has always been, if you get up to 96, 97%, you're not charging enough rent. Right. right? Cause you, 95% is that, that kind of like,
0: you okay. know,
1: benchmark where you're like, if you get below, okay, you gotta get some, you know, get some concessions, do a little, to get it back up to 95. If you're up at 97, 98, you're, you should be charging more rent. Uh, And, and the, you know, if you're same thing with occupancy is like, if you're down, if the market is, is too far below 95% lenders are not going to lend money for new construction, right? Uh, If it's over, then lenders are happy to lend money for new construction. Uh, So 95% occupancy is like a, is a, is a critical number in the industry. And now we're back at that number. Hmm. uh, And there's, uh, you know, we still have a lot of deliveries to make of new product in these markets. Um, There have been a little bit of pullback, but it's still, we're still looking at another, you know, 100,000 markets, uh, Mm. you know, coming on 100,000 units coming online. Yeah. Uh, So we've got, um, you know, rents fell, uh, you know, basically uh, almost 2%. Across the board, which is you know if you're if you're underwriting, uh, you know, when you're buying a property, it's pretty it's standard also to underwrite basically rents of inflation, which sure. historically has been three percent. Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch now because we actually haven't had three percent, you know, inflation for a generation, but you you can still I think sort of safely assume in your underwriting you may get more right, mm-hmm. but you in your underwriting you're going to look at like two percent rent growth, yeah. right and you know, if you're, if you need that rent growth to make your deal work, well, you can get it. Right. You're, you're looking at, and people who have said to me rents never go down. Well they say that because they're just not old enough to remember when they did. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. I mean, and they, and rents have gone down during recessions and obviously everything is local. Some markets are better than others, but, uh, and some do worse than others, right? Uh, yeah. th- but you have to know your market, but they do, rents absolutely can go down. For sure. Uh, and, and we're seeing it right now, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, the, the big thing for me, because when I look at all of this, it, it's just, you know this is your, you and I have been doing this a while, but it's still our first pandemic, right? Yeah. This is everybody's first pandemic. And I think this has caused trends that were already starting to accelerate. You already mentioned one, millennials, right? I'm a firm believer, and we've said it. I've said it to you, and I've said it on many other expert series. That I think millennials are going to be the dominant force of first-time home buyers for the next five to ten years. Right? They're they're increasingly getting to be over thirty years old. Millennials now, there's half of them are over thirty, right? Or almost half of them. So uh, they're going to start buying homes, and this is just accelerating a trend that started in 2016. Uh, The other thing is we are seeing uh, migration from. Vertical urban cities to the suburbs, but unfortunately, as you've just mentioned, the 400,000 units, 100,000 to go. Where are those units? Well, they're in the urban core, uh, for the most part. And you know, I've talked to I've talked to builders. One of my other experts on Mondays is a builder, and he's like, it would take two years to build a new track of homes in the suburbs, where you'd have to you know get all the permitting and all of that stuff done. And most builders won't do it because they don't trust that the suburb price will be there in two years, right? It's too far. So there's just a lot of things going on that makes the suburbs prices, right? Supply demand. There's not a lot of supply, lots of demand where housing has already gone up 14% year on year. I think rents are going to follow in the suburbs. And then I think rents and values go down, you know, in the cities. I think San Francisco studios are down 30% rent, 30%. Wow. Yeah. One bedroom's 26%. So it's just, just crazy numbers.
1: Yeah, it's it is it is crazy, and you know you're you're seeing uh, the single family home rental market increasing as you've been talking about. Oh this yeah, this is this is definitely sure. happening. Uh, the same article I was reading was talking about the increase in the build to rent. Market, yes, right? absolutely. So people Wall Street. Going and, yeah. yeah, constructing new homes in order to rent them out right? Not to, not to own them or occupy them, not to occupy them, but to rent them out to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're taking advantage of this, of this decentralization or de-densification yep. trend that we're going through right now, which, you know, as you and I have talked about before, this is, this is not a forever, you can't extrapolate this into the future forever. This is going, there's an ebb and flow for everything. So you'll see, the, be a big push into that, mm-hmm. ne- you know, this time next year, everybody will I'm going to, I'm going to, you always are putting markers down. Yeah. So I'm going to put a marker down right now, this time next year, everybody is going to be talking about how uh, the trend towards suburbanization is going to last forever. This is what people want. Uh, <laughs> they're they're going to be giving you reasons for why you should overpay for single family homes. Exactly. Right. Uh I guarantee you this. And then it'll be just the time to buy in San Francisco. (laughs) Right. And and you'll see, and then you'll see that, that bubble collapse. And then you'll you'll see people buying stuff cheap, you know, under the radar in San Francisco. Uh, This happens every time. And I want to, I actually want to point out something really interesting that I just came across, which is, you know, I've always been, my personal preference has always been to invest in markets that are a little bit under the radar. Uh, One of the reasons why I never went to Texas was because even when I started out in, in 20, you know, 2011, 2012, I saw the attention being paid to Texas, and it just made me feel like this is too yes, Roth is too much attention being paid to this. That yeah. can't be good. Now it's really sustained itself for a very long time, which has been fantastic for people who invested there. Yeah. But all, all good things come to an end. And and one of the problems with these kind of these kind of hot markets is that. They get very, very hot, and then they get very, very cold. Yes. And so, uh, I've always preferred markets that have good fundamentals, but they're just sort of people aren't really. There's no frenzy around them, right? Now, certainly South Carolina has gotten a lot hotter than it was because people have noticed the good demographics, but it never got to be the same kind of like, yeah, you know, no, no, boiling.
0: It's warm. Yeah, the same kind of
1: frenzy around Texas. And I want to point out. The Austin market, which has been the darling of a lot of people, and has, and look, Austin has a lot of great things going for it. Things that I, that I talk about, that, you know, state government is never going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. University of Texas at Austin, never going anywhere. Like, these are, these are really good anchors for investing, right? And now, and the economy has become much more diverse with the tech industry moving into Austin. These are all really good factors, and I can understand why people are excited about this market. On the other hand, it is very easy to build in Texas. Right. And there, you know, and, and Austin just keeps on, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as it grows outward. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, people look at this and they say, this is, this is good forever. Uh, Just two data points, 2009, you know, Austin has now been recognized in the industry as a boom and bust market, right. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to build. So 2009, there was a massive oversupply problem in Austin and rents declined 13%. Oh, wow. Then construction ground to a dead halt, right? But the population kept on coming. And in 2011, rents went up 14%. Now, as as Michael has reminded us frequently, 13% decline and 14% increase does not bring you back to where you were, right? right? Because you're working off a much lower base. Nevertheless, um, it's, it just shows you how important that supply and demand uh, function is, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, construction has really ramped up in Austin. There's a lot of units coming online there. And now we're gonna see that again. So if you've been investing in a place like Austin and you've been assuming you know, th- that, you're, that the phenomenal rent growth you've seen there is just going to be like that forever, and your and your business plan has been dependent on that. Uh, you may be in for some for a rough spell. And yeah. uh, so, uh, as you know, this product continues to come online and demand has has you know fallen. So, just the lesson is never extrapolate these trends forever into the future and don't use them to justify overpaying for anything. I know it gets harder to buy stuff. And look, I deal with this. It's incredibly frustrating, right? I know how frustrating it is. You want to be doing deals and the deals don't make sense. Yep. Somebody is buying them, but those people who are buying them are making these assumptions that, uh, you know, are, some of them are going to get burned. Absolutely. Some of them will be lucky and then they're going to, they're going to, they're going to brag about how they were right. But, uh, you know, you can, you can be wrong and you can be lucky. Right. So you can't, you can't sort of generalize these, uh, Across the board, when you're trying to be a conservative uh, investor, you can't say, "Oh, that guy didn't get hurt the last time around, so I'll be okay." Right. right? It's you. You have to really take these things seriously. And nobody saw this coming, and here we are. Right? Yeah. So, well, folks, do me do yourself a favor if you've been
0: thinking about investing or you are investing in multifamily anywhere in the country. You have to join Multifamily Launchpad. And just so you know, Jonathan's doing something in the next uh, three or four days that you need to be paying attention to because you could save some money. So Jonathan, why don't you talk about what you're doing for Multifamily
1: Launchpad? Yeah, so moving into 2021, we're changing the program uh, quite a bit. I'll be making some more announcements about that later. But the thing that you should know today is that uh, after Sunday the 15th, this program will no longer be available uh, whenever you want to join we're going to be returning to the limited access that we used to have because it's just administratively much easier to deal with it that way uh, so we're going to turn off new memberships until march and when they come back on they're going to be priced at double the current price so price is going from 97 a month to 197 a month uh, if you join before sunday you will lock that 97 dollar price in for as long as you're a member so Uh, At the time to get in at the at the current price is now. Uh, And, uh, you know, if you miss it, then more. So if you've been sitting on the fence and thinking about this for a while, really, now is the time to to act on it and get in while the price is still uh, is still as low as it is.
0: Yeah, folks, you've got to join the program. Multifamily Launchpad's legit. You can go back and watch probably 30 or 40 hours of material with Jonathan on this channel. He has his own playlist. If you haven't seen the video where we do the math on a apartment building, you need to do that because it shows you how a building go from 120 to 60 in a very quick minute. Uh, And again, these are things you're gonna learn about with Multifamily Launchpad. You're gonna get in the flow. You're gonna feel comfortable not doing a deal because you're being conservative and you'll be able to ask Jonathan any and all questions. So Jonathan, uh, I think it's a great program. You should see lots of people sign up by Sunday to save some money.
1: Thanks, Michael. All right, take care.
0: Thanks.